Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Beats, From My Heart to Yours, with your host, Kelly Kennedy. I am here today with an incredible colleague, Dr. Ann Hill, who I was able to share the stage with on the Lymphatic Rescue Summit that Siobhan Sarna um, helped us, or that we helped her with, rather, and then she asked us both to do a masterclass, which we got to do together over a two-day time period. It was so much fun, and I got to interview her a little bit there and knew that there was so much that we had to discuss. Dr. Ann Hill started her career, she's now a naturopath, but she started her career as a body worker and realized that she was dealing with a lot of complexities in her cases, so she wanted to get more information, which is why she became an ND. But her approach, still being body-centered as a therapist, as a cranial sacral therapist, as a body worker, is very interesting because she really understands the unwinding um, on the same level that I do. Um, and we had such an interesting conversation about it one night. This is why we do the podcast. So today we're answering that question. What does this unwinding mean? What does the nervous system have to do with unwinding? How does the cranial sacral system, how does the cranial sacral therapy rather work with the different nervous systems? What is the key component to unwinding. And then what is her secret? Her secret is absolutely beautiful. There's a little disruption at the end with um, my technical difficulties, meaning I didn't have a power source for my computer, but it all works out. You're certainly gonna enjoy today's episode of The Beats and know that once again, this is here to help you understand how your body works on a deeper level. And when we're talking about unwinding a case, there's a lot of stuff that comes up. So I. Uh, I'm actually a little bit different in today's podcast in that I try to be more of a client coming in brand new and remember what that was like versus the interviewer that's been in this industry for 24, because I remember being very skeptical of this unwinding and the layering of my case. So I hope this helps answers a lot of your questions that you've had on your journey or reinforces why you feel so good today when you're on the other side of your journey. And we thank you all so much for paying attention and for giving your time today to Dr. Ann Hill and I, and thank you so much. Have a great day, everybody. So welcome back to The Beats with Kelly Kennedy. And today you might remember my guests. We um, were very fortunate to be on the Lymphatic Summit together. And um, Dr. Ann Hill is out in Oregon. She's an amazing, amazing naturopath that does so many different things. And I wanted her on the podcast because after we did the Lymph Summit together and then we did a Lymph Masterclass, we had a conversation one night that I was like, oh, can we talk about that on a podcast? That's so interesting. Not many people really delve deep into the fascia and the, the lymph land, as I like to call it, fascia land and lymph land. And uh, Dr. Ann Hill is no um, stranger to that land. So welcome, Dr. Ann Hill. Thank you so much for joining the Beats today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's exciting to be here. So what we want to talk about is what does it mean to unwind our case? You know, I think so we're on like, I don't know, episode 65 or in the seventies at this point of the podcast. And the purpose of the podcast is really to teach people how their body works. And we've delved into regulation and the lymphatics and the emotional components. And now we've talked a lot about chronic illness. Now we're delving a little bit more into chronic pain. And this, this thing came up about unwind my case and what does that mean? So tell us a little bit about your background, share that with them. I'll share it in the bio in the beginning, but tell them a little bit about how you got here, how you work in your center, and then we can delve into what's it mean to unwind? Okay, great. 
Um, well, so I, before going to naturopathic school, I uh, studied herbs with a lot of the really the most premier amazing grandmother and grandfather Western herbalists in the US, which is great. Um, and so I had a practice as an herbalist. And then I also studied cranial sacral therapy and core synchronism therapy with my teacher, Robert Stevens, and also with a French osteopath, Bruno Ducot. So I have been doing really what I would say is I've been doing manual therapy or cranial sacral therapy definitely for almost 25 years at this point. Same thing with herbal medicine. So my big joke is I went and I paid a whole bunch of money to naturopathic school <laughs> to get a degree to do the exact same thing that I do. Um, although I did actually learn obviously quite a lot and, I, and that's why I wanted to go because I was realizing, oh, I'm getting so many more complicated patients and I really need to have kind of more of a formal medical education to put them together. So um, yeah, so manual therapy and doing cranial has been amazing because I think a lot of it um, has not been taken seriously because we haven't had a lot of science behind understanding what people who do cranial or what people who do osteopathic manipulation are really doing. We just know that people leave our offices and they feel great and we know what we feel and we can put, you know, like, okay, the bone did this or the fascia did this or the organ did this and we can notate that but understanding kind of on a deeper level what it's doing I think is sort of coming out a lot more now that we've figured out things like the glymphatic system. And a really uh, a, a big thing is understanding the, um, a lot more about the fascia, which actually I think is just really new and understanding how the fascia is almost like this highway, uh, you know, to be able to, for one part of the body to communicate with another. So that's kind of what I focused on even in my naturopathic practice. And then I've uh, obviously gotten uh, as my kids have gotten older, I've been excited to just take on more and more and more complicated cases. And I definitely treat a lot more chronic pain than I did, obviously, when I first started. Um, I still feel a little bit like we don't get well educated in the US on how to do that as physicians. So I'm hoping that I'm doing a good job <laughs> and learning as much as I can annually to take care of that. But yeah, yeah, that's what I do. Well, it's, you know, as a body worker myself, I and I have been toying with going to different medical schools for years. And it's like, I totally empathize with, but if I get out, I'm going to be doing the exact same thing I do now. It's not really like, I would learn a lot more. And like you said, you know, learn the complexities and all the study I've done in Europe has helped me understand those complexities. But at the end of the day, when you're dealing with physical pain, you got to open up that structure. You got to open up the flow. You got to help that happen. And then and that's where I started, right, on the physical level, like helping my physical body. And then it delved into all this other stuff that, you know, my family literally thought I joined a cult when I met, who's now my husband, I and my head clinician <laughs> practitioner the first time I met him. They called an intervention. They flew in. No joke. They really were like, she's joined the cult. Like, what's going on? Because I was pain-free all of a sudden. I was doing woo-woo, what they looked at as woo-woo, which we now know the science behind the energetics and the quantum physics of what was happening to my body. But I really want to unpack that today. I want to really help people understand that journey of unwinding a case that, yeah, you come into a, a center like either one of ours and we're going to work your physical body, but it might make you feel more than just lack of pain in your back. It might make you feel some other things. <laughs> and 
sometimes, I mean, when I was new, I remember thinking like, God, is my family right? Is he just like keeping me in here? Because now he's like, oh, now it's this layer. Now it's this layer, the layers of the onion. We've all heard it. And is this the biggest scam going? You know, I mean, I just want to be honest because that's what people are thinking when they first hear this medicine, right? Like, oh, it's, it's not real. Oh, you got to keep coming back. You know, this is just another layer. We're getting deeper. Yeah. Now you're crying a lot. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Not, now you're angry. Mm-hmm, you're good. You're going through the process. What does that mean to you? Can you tell us a little bit about what you've experienced in your clinic? Well, so I've been teaching cranial for almost 20 years as well, maybe a little bit less, but um, I, one of the things I've oftentimes have said to my students is like, you know, be prepared for whatever is going to occur when your patient is on the table, because it might, you know, you need to really kind of up your game in terms of understanding how to deal with trauma and things like that, because you never know what's going to show up. I mean, you could just be approaching it from a very physical standpoint, but our bodies store trauma in all the tissues and in the fascia in our body. And so, and a lot of times when I'm working on patients, it's really interesting because, you know, sometimes it's very obvious and it's like a memory that they're like, oh yeah, I had you know, like, um, I'm just, the first thing that comes to my head is, uh, when I worked on, on one woman, she said, oh, I'm remembering when my son stood up when he was little and he banged my chin, you know, like his head banged against my chin. And cause we were like unwinding a lot of tension in her jaw. And even though it was like her son and she loved him and it wasn't like a big trauma thing for her, or at least at the time that she thought for her physical body, it was a very trauma thing. And it brought up a lot of emotions, you know? So she suddenly was very sad and angry and felt guilty because she was a mom, like, and she shouldn't be feeling angry about her son and all this stuff. So, um, so it was interesting because I think socially we, uh, we don't, you know, we, we respond only within our social structure, how we're supposed to respond, but then our body has all these very real guttural feelings that it kind of still needs to process. And if we squelch those, then it's going to get stored in the body. So I always tell my, my students, I'm like, I have no idea why your divorce is in your left toe. I have no idea. You know, like, I'm not really sure why, like, cause it's not always the organs. And I love like Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine. Cause a lot of times they put different emotions on the organs, but you can like, you can have all of this in all these like like sometimes the most minuscule, tiny little places that the body's like, okay, I don't know what to do with this. So I'm going to like shove it over here, you know? And, um, and when, when we work on people uh, and when we help unwind, so we'll kind of get maybe a little bit more into that, the different tissues, it actually helps to um, kind of unpack that structure that we have formulated around an emotion or an experience that we haven't really known how to process, that we've just sort of shoved into a little dark corner, back sock drawer, whatever we want to call it in the body. So I've never done this on a podcast, Dr. Hill, but what I want to do is I want to be the client for a moment. I want to step in the shoes and ask you questions. Like, I don't know what you're talking about because I obviously do. And I don't want to, you know, like ask you questions that you're like, Kelly, what the hell are you talking about? But you know, like, what do you mean by how the body stores emotions? Like I think of emotions 
going back as a client, right? When I first started this and was like, I was always told emotions were in my head and I thought of things and that's what happens. So what are you talking about that something stored in my pinky toe or my big toe or whatever you said? I don't, I don't, I can't make that connection. How can you help them make that connection? Okay. So, well, first of all, coming, kind of bringing, bringing it back to science and studying the brain. I love the fact that, you know, we've taken apart the brain, we've tried to figure out where all these different parts are in the brain, like, okay, where do we have memories, where do we have emotions, where do we have our motor system, where do we do this, that, and the other, and the more that we study the brain, the more we realize (laughs) we don't really understand at all how it's putting everything together, because we realize that there's memories and emotions that are connecting to all these different parts of the brain, you know, and so, you know, taking that, I then apply that to the body because of course the whole central nervous system begins in the brain and it doesn't just stay in the brain in the back. It all comes down, it all connects and it all talks. Like, so another one of my favorite things to realize is that, uh, that again, like newer understanding about the vagus nerve and how the vagus nerve is even, what we're realizing now is we've studied the microbiome the vagus nerve is taking all this important information, not just from our body, but also from all the bacteria that live in our gut. And it's giving us information about that. So a lot of times people are getting depressed because they have constipation, because they have microbiome imbalance. And it's actually because they have done studies and shown that the vagus nerve is like getting the information even from this other bacteria that's not even us, you know, and sending it up to our brain and like, and talking. So those are the first things that I kind of think about that I think are really interesting in terms of science. And then the other thing I think about is just looking at the natural world that I'll oftentimes, um, you know, I go, I live in the Pacific Northwest. We do a lot of hikes. Um, Some of my favorite uh, images of going on hikes are, especially when it's a little bit rainy, And you'll see the spiders have created all these like amazing webs between different plants. And if you touch like the web, you know, it's like, and you'll see it because it's like, it'll have the little, you know, drops of water and you touch the web and the spiders like up in the corners, like, you know, and it's like, oh, is there a fly over there? And so that's what I realized the body is this whole incredible interconnected system and and the nerves are. And so all the nerves, even though they're like, little, you know, tiny nerves, like sensory nerves, nerves that are like only connecting to our skin. This is all still sending back information to our brain so that we can react um, or, you know, things that are coming from our organs, things like that. So um, I think that what I would say is the, it's sort of a, it's a disservice to still be thinking that our memories or our thoughts or how our body processes things are still uh, is still just in the brain because it's really not, and and we're we're finding that with scientific studies that we're doing about the fascia. So. And I want to unpack cranial sacral and central nervous system a little bit more and get some definitions of cranial work and how that what that really what what that really is. We did talk about it on a previous podcast where we talked about cranial sacral fascial therapy, but I would just love your rendition of that. But I do know that so many people, if you've not had cranial sacral and you've not maybe necessarily experienced this or you've not done any kind of other somatic body work, many people have noticed it by just getting a typical deep tissue massage. Like sometimes you're on the table getting a massage and all of a sudden you're like, 
why do I feel this way? Why do I feel this release? Right. And it depends on your therapist and how good they are, unless you're getting like a foofy, like, you know, rub your body down with oil. That's not what I'm talking about, but a deep therapeutic massage where it's going into the tissues and it does start to release this. I, I experienced that one of the first things I ever did was get a massage back in the day after being pushed after three years in the, after the car accident, somebody's like, go get a massage. I'm like, really? The neurologist, the pain specialist, the orthopedic specialist, the hypnotherapist, all these people haven't helped me. You want me to go get a massage? And then the massage like changed my life in so many ways. But there was a lot of releasing, of crying on the table that had made no sense to me at some level. Because there was a part of me that was like, why do not I not cry every day, all day long? Because I lived in pain all day long, every day for three and a half years on a scale of one to 10 at about a 15. And I was just buffering, like taking the edge off with the Viking and the Flexerol and the, you know, the self-use of other recreational things to help tamp it down a little bit. But when I got out of pain, I was skeptical of why I wasn't in pain. Number one, I wanted to find out why I could never get in pain, but also as the pain started to alleviate, it was because I was releasing emotions. And that made no sense to me, which is why it took me 23 years to figure this out and start this podcast so I could help other people understand it to the level that I can really help. But can you explain that? Because there are so many people have experienced that and it seems nonsensical. Like you're rubbing my shoulder, like you said, and now I'm thinking about what happened when my kid hit his head and all the different things that came up for me, not just, oh my God, I hope he's okay. And he's not going to gush out bleeding, but I'm also pissed that he didn't think about not putting his head up so fast. And I've taught him better than that. What was he thinking about when he did that? And, you know, also like, am I, you know, worried about him doing this when I'm not there to catch him or whatever little minutia of thoughts we have stress. Yeah. Just call it stress, positive and negative. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I wish that I had. I wish I could tell you that we to- we know. I mean, the the nervous system and neurology. I think is, uh, you know, there's a lot of like amazing neurologists and people who are studying the nervous system who are just coming out with like new information. Like one of my favorites is, it, this is not so new, but like you know the guy. I can't remember his name. I know I saw an amazing TED talk with him but he figured out how to help with phantom limb pain by oh. having somebody put um, you know, their arm that they still had in front of a mirror so that the brain could kind of start right. making connections because yes. they see this, you know? So yeah. I think that um, when we're looking at, and how I describe it to my, um, my students and my patients is we, are, we have trauma when we have not been seen and heard. Okay. And that is on a very ego level. Okay. Well, my mom ignored me when I was a kid or whatever. No. So, you know, that's a very kind of ego, like societal level of what that can look like, but that's also what our nervous system needs. So our nervous system itself is always constantly registering what's coming in from our outside environment, what's affecting our bodies. And so if, um, if our nervous system is feeling a, 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 an area where we've ignored it or where we've felt ignored, it's going to register it as a trauma in the exact same way, you know, where it's like, and oftentimes with cranial, a lot of times what I'm finding is that 
again, it's a place where the, the body or the nervous system has not been able to fully express itself to the end of whatever that is. Okay, so for example, um, a lot of times, um, uh, well, this is just really common with what I see, a lot of times uh, women who have lost children before the children were born, okay? And so sometimes what I'll see is that the body actually needs to go through in some way the birth process for that woman to be able to release or let go of that baby. Mm. Because it's already been like geared and set up, all the hormones are set up to have the baby. And then when it doesn't actually really happen, the body's confused, you know, and it just kind of gets like in this like stuck state. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. And, and I'm thinking too, like people, like we have a client that just went through a pretty big trauma. Her husband just, you know, just one day dropped out of a heart attack left, you know, some younger kids, not little kids, but in their twenties and different things. And, um, they instantly wanted to put her on medication. She was, you know, just out of her mind for about five days. And thank God, one of her sons has been a client for a long time and was like, no, 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 don't take medication, come in and deal with your stuff. And, you know, I mean, there was a, there was a time and place for that. I mean, she's hysterical, try to get her into a conscious state because she was probably a little out of it. Right. But I think of that and like so many people that take anti-anxiety, antidepressant to tamper what they're really feeling. It ends up yeah. burying and then resurfacing in other ways as chronic illness, chronic pain or whatever. And it's like, if you don't process how you feel about that at some point, your body will process it for you is what you're basically saying. Yeah, pretty much. Or store it. Or it'll get stuck. Process it. <laughs> or you won't process it and it'll be stuck and it'll become more of a physical pathology. Right. So uh, I love like we studied homeopathy in naturopathic school and homeopathy is like uh, by the time a pathology comes to the physical level of the body, it's already been like it started up here, you know, some kind of like spiritual, mental, emotional, and then it gets into the physical body. And we know by the time it's in the physical body, it's actually been stuck for a really long time, (laughs) you know, so. And that's a great, we could spend an hour and a half talking about that. I mean, what she just described is the opposite of how most people think. Most people think that things start and they can certainly start in the physical level and then go into the vibrational, but more times than not, it's something in our thought life, something in our vibrational, something in our emotional life, vibrational life rather, that translates down to the emotional, that translates down to the physical. And then it's so deep. And, and then somebody goes, well, I just you know, hurt my knee. And why can't we just fix my knee? Well, what led up to you getting into position to hurt your knee? Why were you making this decision to do like, I've broken my arms and my legs doing stupid things. And those were all because of some emotional blockade or something like doing things I shouldn't have been doing and broke limbs because of it. Not a big surprise, unprepared to do such stupid human tricks and then did them and was like, oh, the body wasn't prepared to do that. But more on a vibration, like that looks just like physical. Kelly signed up to do that event. She wasn't physically prepared for it. She broke her arm or she broke her leg. But the reality is what was driving me emotionally and vibrationally, where was I off that I was trying to fill a hole that I was trying to find it. I was trying to feed myself somehow. Yeah, one of my um, one of the um, uh, one of the naturopaths that I've seen for a long time. Uh, she's actually a DCND, so she does chiropractic, 
So she's sort of my, one of my main mentors here in Portland. And uh, I remember about 15 years ago, she broke her leg. And I always remember she said, Anne, whatever you do, if you need a break, you take it. Otherwise the universe is going to give you a break. And that was my mistake because she was like, I really needed a break. And so this summer, I actually took the summer off because after treating everybody during COVID, closing down one business, starting another, doing all this stuff, I was just like, oh my God, I need to just take care of myself. And I, and I always remember what Dr. Jolly says, <laughs> take a break if you need it. Yeah. Because your body yeah. will force you to get what it needs. Cause it's, yeah. it's an all working system with that. That's awesome. So you talked earlier about the central nervous system. Can you connect the central nervous system to the cranial sacral system for people? So they, they start to think less of this being like, oh, she's, if you've ever had cranial sacral, the first time I had it, I remember laying on the table going, what? Am I paying her to do this? Really? What, what is she doing? Because I was used to like deep elbows in my shoulder blades and, you know, deep tissue massage and really unwinding the structure. And then I got somebody putting their hands under my head and like making these tiny little, tiny little subtle moves. And then I stood up and I was like, Whoa, uh -huh. everything's a little different. She worked on my head, but my hips felt different. I felt like I couldn't stand up. Like it took me a minute to like recalibrate. And then I was like, well, that was way more profound than I thought. And that was 20 years ago. Now I do it and I can understand, but tell them if you could tell them, whoever they are that are listening, tell our listeners if you would. Yeah. Um, I definitely, you know, they always tell you when you start, you got to practice your elevator speech. So I definitely feel like I have had many elevator speeches about cranial. <laughs> And especially because I teach it, you know, a lot of times, like I teach a lot of naturopathic students and they're like, somebody just told me I should take this class and I'm not really sure what it is, but you know, I don't like doing chiropractic. So I want to learn some gentle body work, you know? So, um, okay. So my, so really my favorite way to look at what's happening is now that we know about the glymph, and understand the glymphatic system, which is the cerebral spinal fluid system in the body. What we know now scientifically that we didn't know when I started doing cranial is that it's the glymph system that pulls all the toxins out of the brain. And that when we're sleeping or we're, when we're in a deeply like meditative state, um, the cerebral spinal fluid uh, flows, you know, much more naturally, like there's actually channels that open up and it flows and it starts detoxifying the brain. So now I realize, oh, that's so much about, like that totally makes sense. Why sometimes get people get up and they're so relaxed and sometimes they have to go to sleep for a while or sometimes people get up and they're anxious or, you know, and we need to give them some rescue remedy or do some other things to support them if they've released a lot of emotions. So, um, so that cerebral spinal fluid, the main argument against like why cranial actually works is doesn't the, the cerebral spinal fluid actually just get recirculated within the spine? And how come, like, how come you can touch somebody's like liver and you're still doing cranial, you know? Um, so actually, uh, so I don't remember which book that this was, but um, John Uplinger, who is the osteopathic doctor who sort of coined the term craniosacral therapy. He's actually the one that, you know, craniosacral is kind of an offshoot of traditional osteopathic uh, manipulation. And so he basically took osteopathic manipulation, sort of expanded it 
and brought it more to the masses. So he didn't care if you were, you know, like osteopaths don't tend to train anybody unless they're another osteopath or a medical doctor. But John Uplager was like, this is important work. You need to have everybody do it. So he started training massage therapists and other people that were interested in learning this work. So he, um, in one of his books, I remember him reading about like the content of the interstitial fluid in our body. So all of our, all of our tissues have fluid in them, right? Uh, that's kind of, you know, we have, we've got the fascia, we've got ligaments, tendons, muscles, organs, and then we have this little bit of kind of uh, gelatinous fluid that kind of keeps us together. We're just big bags of protoplasm. I remember one of my friends said when I was <laughs> in my twenties. Um, and so uh, he said that the, the actual electrolyte makeup of the interstitial fluid is quite similar to the cerebral spinal fluid. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, as a provider, who is touching people all day long and feeling the rhythm of the cerebral spinal fluid, I can feel what, you know, what is starting probably and is the rhythm of the craniosacral fluid uh, kind of going up and down the spine and being recirculated, but you can feel that throughout the rest of the body. Like, it's kind of like, it's not like there's like a wall, like a cement (laughs) wall between one part of the body and the other. So you can feel this much like that spider in the spider web can feel all those little tensile, those wonderful little beautiful things that it's created there. It can feel every little area of that web and figure out, you know, where's the next fly coming, (laughs) you know? The web is great, great visual and analogy for people to understand to understand integrity so that if you touch the web over here, it's going to ripple and affect the web over here. And that our body has this fascia, which is like its own web that connects from head to toe everywhere in our body. And if we affect like, um, you know, some chiropractors and I've had them on here have said, you know, every injury to the body is an injury to the spine. Mm -hmm. And I don't disagree with that. And I would also say every injury is an injury to the fascia. Would you not agree, Dr. Hill? Yeah, I, yeah, I think we, I mean, and I think a lot of the really, you know, a lot of the good chiropractors get that too, you know, that, that it's not, yeah, sure. And, and certainly the spine is a very central area of the body. So certainly if you, if you are able to do a manipulation for, you know, like the cervical spine or thoracic spine, it's going to also ripple out and affect the fascia from that area and the nerves from that area because that's those are big areas where the nerves come out and you know um and help our body uh you know be able to like get nerves to the area so they can feel that's part of that that spider web yeah so i don't mean to interrupt i just think that's such an incredible visual for people to really start to understand this concept and so thank you for bringing that to light so you were saying about the the cobweb so and the electrolytes in the interstitial <laughs> the space. Spider. Yes, this is an entomology class, right? <laughs> um, My son might actually listen to this one. He loves spiders and spider webs. He sees them <laughs> everywhere. He finds them very fascinating. Um, okay, so the nerve. So, so the other visual that I've given to people is, um, you know, when you see a rock. Uh, dropping into the middle of a still pond, you know, and you see the ripples of that, and that's going to also reverberate throughout the water, you know, and that, so that's really literally what it feels like I'm feeling, like I'm feeling how that ripple is coming out, and how it's going to affect, like, the feet and the legs. Now, with that, interestingly, you know, you're talking about the nervous system, 
the nervous system is obviously a big part of this because that is what is registering all this. Like you talked about when you got up off the table after your first cranial and you were like, where's my hips? You know, what's going on? Because a lot of times we're working on the cerebellum and the nerves that are coming out of the brain. And sometimes, um, you know, a lot of those nerves are, are proprioceptive nerves, you know, which is the nerves that tell us where we are in time and space. So if those nerves are like super wound up and we help unwind those, then they have to be like kind of recalibrate and be like, whoa, where am I? <laughs> you know, am I standing? Am I laying down? I can't quite figure this out. Um, I've gotten that. I mean, I've, I feel like that a lot when I get cranial and I know a lot of my patients like have to get up very slowly and have to really, you know, kind of have that proprioceptive system connect back in when they get up off the table after we do a session. So it's like they defragment your computer and then it takes a yeah. minute to reboot it so that it, it will run smoother and faster. It just takes a moment because it doesn't have all the old information. And now it's got to like recalibrate to the lack, what I think of as lack of information because we've removed blockades that are allowing flow to happen better. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, de for all those techies out there, I definitely think defragmentation of the computer is a great <laughs> great way to also like kind of understand what is happening with this. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and so with the central nervous system, um, we have a couple different nervous systems. We talk a lot about the autonomic nervous system and you're talking about the central nervous system and that connecting with the cerebral spinal fluid and then the cerebral spinal fluid, not staying in this closed system in the, in the uh, spinal cord and the brain cycles of the brain, but actually leaking out into all the interstitial spaces and that it's all one unit. So can you explain a little bit about the different nervous systems and how they play together in the body? You talked about proprioception and the peripheral nervous system, but I think for, you know, I'm assuming that the people listening to this are not necessarily doctors and we want to make it very tangible, easy for them to understand if we okay, could. Well, I'll try. I'm not a neurologist. I just play one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. So, well, the central nervous system is really just, it's the brain and the brainstem and it is like the, um, what we call the cranial nerves, you know? So a lot of you who have, if you've been to a neurologist, they might've asked you to do weird things like, you know, touch your fingers to your nose or like, you know, do funny things with your hands. And what they're actually testing is the cranial nerves. And so the cranial nerves are sort of like the larger nerves of the body that um, we oftentimes, uh, so that's kind of like one piece of things. Um, and then there's really, but, but really the whole central nervous system is made up of, um, you know, the autonomic nervous system and the autonomic nervous system is, we call it autonomic because it's like what we don't have to think about, right? We, if we had to think about every single little thing that our nerves needed to do on a daily basis, we would probably have absolutely no bandwidth to survive, right? We need to not think about our body's ability to breathe or our heart to be able to beat, things like that. So that's what we call like the autonomic nervous system. And that is a part, of course, of the whole, when I say central nervous system, I'm kind of saying like the main nerves that are all coming out and down flowing through the body. Perfect. And then you have the peripheral nervous system that uh, talks to the central nervous system, but it's all fed by the autonomic nervous system because those are the automated things that lead to the central that then also communicate out to the peripheral, which is more of our hands, our feet, our extremities, but there's right. a constant communication between these nervous systems, constant. Yeah. yeah. 
So, and then when I say the proprioceptive system, that is mostly found in the cerebellum, which is, let's see, I don't have, I'm sorry, if I were in my office, I would have a brain model to show I don't have one here out. either, but it's right <laughs> the, the back cerebellum. Here. Yeah, it's like that really cool, like if you look at it, it looks totally different than the rest of the brain. Um, yeah. And it's actually much, it has like more neurons in the cerebellum than any other part of your brain, interestingly. And the cerebellum is what we've oftentimes thought of as the motor area. And so motor nerves are nerves that uh, basically help you to be able to like decide, oh, okay, I wanna pick up this cup of coffee. And so, okay, I'm gonna go pick up that cup of coffee. So that involved all so many different like nervous signals in your brain. You have to be able to coordinate, you have to be able to pick up that cup of coffee. You have to be able to understand where the coffee cup is in relation to your mouth and your body so that you're not like, you know, <laughs> being really sloppy. Um, some of the patients I treat um, who are on the hypermobile spectrum disorder, they actually have issues with their proprioception. And so oftentimes they are called by their friends like clumsy or one of my patients said, all my friends joke with me and say, I have a drinking problem because every time she goes to take a drink, she actually cannot uh, totally understand, you know, her brain does not work well enough to be able to understand where that cup is in relation to her mouth. So she'll oftentimes dribble on the front of her shirt. So these are all things we sort of take for granted, but uh, until you don't have them and then you're like, oh my God, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe how much the nervous system does. It's pretty amazing. So. Yeah. It is. Well, I, I know that we've taken a lot of your time and I appreciate it. And I, I want to just kind of tap, topple, give a top to this a little bit in regards to the fascia and the emotions. And um, I am also very aware that my battery on my computer, which I forgot my cord today is at 6%. So we got oh, no. to tie this on a little bow in the next five or 10 minutes, but yeah. The emotional component that you brought up earlier, when people are releasing that, like, what is your best piece of advice, if you would, about, I don't want to say manage it, because I don't managing stress. Like, why do you want to manage stress? You want to get rid of stress? You want to handle stress? You want to manage stress? But how do you support your, your client base or yourself even around doing fascia work? Because I think for so many people, when they're doing fascia work or lymph work or mu muscle work or any tissue work that's dumping crap out that they're not ready for, yeah. whether it's, oh my God, I feel heavy metal symptoms. I feel mold toxicity. My brain fog is back, you know, or I'm angry or like, how do you explain to them that that's part of the journey without them feeling like you're just trying to keep them in your office and coming back week after month after whatever to get to the next layer so that they actually have control of their body and their nervous system? Yeah. Well, well, let me start off by just saying that um, I almost never have anybody get up off the table and say, well, that was really awful to <laughs> most people. That, and that was like when I teach like new naturopaths, like cranial, like I always tell them that because I'm like, this is actually a really good way to build your practice because people respond differently to touch than they do to just talking. They, yeah. there's, like, there's like a trust that is uh, that um, people pick up on or an understanding of how you are caring for them and listening to their bodies in this really deep way that they just get. So I don't feel like I have to do a lot of convincing, 
But I do warn people, especially uh, people who I know who have a lot of toxicity, who've had a lot of trauma, where we might be doing a lot of brain work. And sometimes I've actually, over the years, I've learned about a lot more about detoxification and the lymph. And I've learned a lot more about um, how to hold back and not always go with the flow with their bodies. Because sometimes, you know, I've heard back from patients like, oh, I got a really bad headache or I really felt awful after, you know, and so I've had to learn to work with these a little bit more complicated patients with that. And so on a very physical level, I will talk to them about doing binders and, and glutathione and different things that are going to be helpful for them, especially if I feel like they've released a lot of toxins. I'm more of a mental, and that actually also helps with the emotions because it's helping to really physically bind with like things like heavy metals or molds or things that their body's releasing that is going to make them feel crummy because the vagus nerve is telling their brain, ah, this is not good. Um, and then on a mental emotional level, just really quick, like one of the things that I'll oftentimes just have in my office is I will, you know, just have rescue remedy and I'll give them some rescue remedy or have them take that when they get home. I'll always tell them if you feel like you need to sleep earlier, like even if you're like, why do I want to go to bed? And it's like six o'clock at night, it's totally fine. And just to honor that. And then I do think that there is a lot about them just understanding on on a very conscious level that if they understand that this is like a detoxification treatment, then they know to honor themselves more and just to know, okay, it's not necessarily that it's going to push me into this more depressive state. My body's just processing a lot right now. And I feel like just knowing that and understanding that has been really helpful for my patient population, which when I first started, I didn't know to talk to people about that. Like I, I didn't get it, you know? And so I think I had more people that were like, God, I felt really crummy. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Um, but then, you know, once I kind of understood more, I was able to talk to people more. And I feel like it's been more helpful for better outcomes for sure. And then when they understand, then they're like, oh, great. My naturopath didn't just screw things up. I'm just detoxing and I'm going to come back and get some more cranial. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the last question I have for you, thank you so much for unpacking that. I'm signing in on a backup cell phone over here in case we get cut off at the end of okay. our event. But um, the one question that I always ask when people come to do the podcast that I never warn you that you're going to be asked this. My is, favorite movie is, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your favorite movie? Um, in all your years of practice with all the clinical experience you've had, what is... And it might not be clinically related, Dr. Ann. It might just be on, on a personal level, like the break. Like maybe that's that's the whole thing, right? The whole take a break before your body gives you a break kind of concept. But what is the secret that if you had the opportunity, right? Like there's a lot going on in our world. We're recording this in August of 2021. It's crazy out there. And, um, you know, if you had a microphone, you could speak to all 7.8 billion people in the world and they had to listen to you. What is the secret you want them to know about life that you've learned thus far? Wow. That's not as easy of a question. Oh yeah. And you got one movie. minute left before my battery dies. I'll be signing into this family. and we'll be <laughs> okay, quitting this together. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I think this is, I think this has kind of come to the forefront more lately, but having gratitude Mm -hmm. and uh, for, uh, for different things in life. And so every morning I think about three things that make me grateful. And, um, and that's just a newer practice. And I've had to do that as I become older and more curmudgeonly and you know, set in my ways and get grumpy sometimes. So that's been helpful for me. 
really helpful for me. And then also, um, you know, connecting like one of my, uh, like having some kind of a deeper spiritual practice. And so that might be for somebody going to church and connecting it in that way. Uh, for me, it's actually uh, just been doing kind of more meditation and connecting in with uh, what I would call are my helpers, you know, and that makes me feel like I am not burdening myself with everything throughout the day. Like one of my favorite phrases I had up in my kitchen for a long time was, I can't remember where I got it, but it, it said something like, um, uh, hello, this is God and I'm here to help you out today. So you can just hang out and, you know, just enjoy your day. And I'll, and I'll So and that just was, enjoy your day. Yeah. And so that was, oh, oops. Sorry. Hold on. Okay. We're good now. We got okay. Oh no. I lost you, Kelly. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, if you are still recording this, oh, okay. I was just going to end. I was just going to be like, okay. And this is the beats with Kelly Kennedy. <laughs> oh, you're awesome. <laughs> Um, so that was just one of my favorite, my favorite quotes. And it just made me realize, you know what, I, I don't have to have all of this. I have help in, right. uh, with what I'm doing throughout the day. So anyway, this is the beats with Kelly Kennedy and, uh, thanks so much for joining I, us. I am today. here. I don't, can you hear me? I don't know if you can hear me. Yes, but... I can hear you now. <laughs> So this is called Going with the Flow with the Beats with Kelly Kennedy, who forgot her charger today for her computer. But I think, I feel, Dr. Hill, that, you know, I want to give honor to your time and to what you shared here at the end, that I spiritual practice, and whether you want to call it religious or whatever, but spending that time with yourself and tuning in when everything else is a little crazy has been such a gift for me as well. And I so appreciate you bringing that up for everybody because- Really, when we do that fascia, that lymph work, for me, that's what it's about, right? It's honoring how we actually felt during that process, mm -hmm. whatever it was. And I remember in my work with Ian, my body had connected my car accident, my father's death, because they all happened within a 12-month period. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand how working on my sadness about my father passing was helping my physical pain because there was a physical injury. I had compressed vertebrae. I have a 12 inch scar on my head. I had a lacerated spleen. Why did my body, as I started to really do this somatic work about my dad, and I had done three years of talk it out therapy about my dad's stuff as well, which wasn't helping me, which I had left because it had angered me more than anything. But as I was doing this somatic emotional release work and this body work, I felt lighter and lighter and lighter. And on I can talk about my dad now. I can say happy Father's Day to so many people. I can actually help my husband become a dad and wanted to do that because I wasn't sad about that anymore, but it was really honoring how I felt about all that that went down with my dad, the happy and the sadness, the relief that I felt when he died and the sadness that he wasn't there for all the big events in my life as, we move, as I move forward and all the other things that have happened. So I really appreciate you bringing that up and honoring no matter where we're at just meet yourself and and love yourself and move on from there right yeah totally great i have no idea how to get my video on but thank you all so much for joining us thank you so much for um 
being on part of our podcast and, and being such an incredible woman and incredible doctor for so many. I've, I've heard about Dr. Ann Hill through some of my greatest colleagues, Dr. Christine Schaffner, Siobhan Sarna. These are not lightweights in our industry. So it means a lot that you spent your time today during your summer months of taking your break and time away from your family to be with us today. Thank you so much, Dr. Hill. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun to talk to you as usual. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you all next time on the beats, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. <laughs> Hello, and thank you so much for joining us and spending your time here with us at the beats with your host, Kelly Kennedy. And I know today more than ever before, you now know better how your body works. And at the very least, we hope we've helped you raise some questions and help you continue to investigate. We are here to help you naturally optimize a better version and vision of yourself on every single level. And after today, you can better engage your innate intelligence and allow for proper regulation and proper regeneration. Make sure to subscribe to never meet, miss a beat again. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. And just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or professional advice and care by your doctor or other qualified medical professionals. This podcast is created with the intention to provide information and education. This podcast is created with the understanding that it does not constitute professional advice or medical services. If you are looking for help in your journey and seek a qualified medical practitioner, or if you're looking for a biological, not meds practitioner, we can help you. Someone who's trained and a licensed health coach and someone that can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health. That's what not meds mission is about. I hope you have enjoyed listening again to this podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do. And if you do, please feel free to share it with your friends, your colleagues, uh, for the tips of living the biological foundational life and living in the flow. And if you have been listening and love the show, please do leave comments. We love reading your comments. We really do. And you can subscribe to us wherever you hear your podcast. Thank you so much from our heart to yours.